Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. I'm your host Chris Marshall. As always, I hope you are doing well and staying safe. And we are back once again to meet a familiar face from the world of Scottish women's football. This time around, I am joined by a player who became the 14th to have amassed 100 caps for Scotland at the 2019 World Cup. She was also part of the squad to reach the Euros in 2017 and has played in Cyprus, Finland, Sweden and of course right here in Bonnie, Scotland, where she has enjoyed lots of success with her current side, Glasgow City. I am buzzing to welcome Livingston's favourite daughter, Hayley Watson's <laughs> podcast. Hayley, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am very well, thank you. The sun is still shining. We're in this good run of form weather-wise, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting out and about once we've done this one, which will be good fun. Um, how has uh, the last few few months been for you? Um, it's been quite tough because obviously the, the football stopped. Um so we were training on our own again, which was pretty grim at times, but we still had stuff to do. But it's been great just to be back as a squad and, and we've got a lot of new players as well. So it's been really great to kind of get to know them um, and, yeah, just crack on with the season. It's going to be exciting. How's, how's like, well, we'll talk obviously about the season a little bit later on, but in terms of kind of the last kind of 12 months or so, it's obviously been very stop-start, as I think is a polite word for it. How's how's yeah. that been for, as, as a player? How's that been for you? Um, well, it, it is frustrating, but in, I mean, in the like grand scheme of things, you can obviously understand why it's happened. Um, it, it has been hard, especially with Champions League included as well. You're kind of we've not really had a good run at anything yet, so I think that's I think it'll be good if we can fit in the fourteen games um, to complete the season because I think then that'll be a true reflection. Every team kind of gets a bit of training time and then also some good games to kind of get into the into the swing of things. So it has been frustrating, but I mean, yeah, we're back now and hopefully that's us kind of coming through, everybody coming through the other side of, of this now. So we can hopefully look forward to better times. Looking forward to better times is definitely the... the the watch I was gonna say watch word but that's more than one word so watch phrase <laughs> watch phrase um of, of what's ahead but I, I thought I thought we want to get somebody from Glasgow City on and I thought who who do who who's Jim did I like the cut of and I thought oh Haley's Haley's always seems like up for a laugh so I thought I'll get Haley on so um before we kind of get into kind of current times I wanted to kind of rewind a bit and kind of take you back to kind of like football what's what's your kind of earliest memories of, of football um Probably just playing in the street with my friends. Um, I'd say that I didn't actually join a team until quite late, so I was about 15. So I'd kind of played for like the school team and stuff um, before then. So I'd say that's my earliest memory, just kicking about in the street, nothing fancy, just a big game of copy, du- uh, copy doubles or something like that. I used to love that. But um, yeah, I didn't join a team. I joined Muriston when I was 14, I think I was. Um, so I think that's quite late these days, considering like clubs have pathways from under twos or something now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, that that was probably my earliest memory. How so? Um, how how did the kind of starting at Muriston come about? How did you do the transition from kicking up playing cuppy in the street to to being with a team? Um, I can't actually remember that. Do you know that? I think one of the neighbours. He was involved with Muriston and um, I think it just kind of came about like that. I used to do a lot of other sports. I used to do taekwondo, which is really funny because I'm absolutely pathetic. If there was a fight, I would I would be the first away. But um, and then I kind of had to choose if like what sport I would like to do. And football was always the one that I loved the most. So I kind of got involved. Um, I just got asked to go and join Muriston. And after that, I was just hooked, basically. Did it feel like a kind of big fill-up to you, to the fact that you were getting asked to go to a team with, like, strips and kit and all? Did that, did that really egg you on? Um, I don't know. Not really. <laughs> I think um, I, was just, I was just more into, like, the training side of it. Like, I've always loved training. I know you get some players that are just live for game day and stuff like that, and that's fair enough. But um, I like the training side of it. Um, and... Yeah, it was just like something organised that I was turning up to. And yeah, obviously we got the strips and you get a tracksuit and you think you're brilliant for a few weeks. Um, but yeah, and also the social side of it as well. I just absolutely loved it because I'm an only child as well. So 
like team sport has always been like mega important to me getting out and about and meeting people do you think that's like one of the the, the big things especially over this last two months I've, um people don't know my day job involves working for the tennis so we're doing something with young players kind of coming up do you think yeah. the fact that that's something that players have kind of missed especially the younger players and, and players like yourself have missed over the last few months has been a big a big miss for for people yeah definitely because I, I think you don't obviously football's my job but then and I, I take it very seriously and I go to training and I train hard and then you go home but like you you don't you maybe take for granted like the little relationships you have um with coaches with players the little conversations that you just have on the daily hi how are you um checking in with each other and then when that's gone you kind of realize like how important those little conversations are um so yeah I think especially for younger players as well they've not had school as well um a lot of the academy girls and um I think it's just important for us all to kind of get back to some sort of normality now in terms of Muriston, I mean, they're kind of one of the teams that I think have had a, a decent track record in terms of like players like yourself kind of coming through. Is there, was there anybody kind of from your era that is has kind of continued on the same similar path as yourself? Um, I'm not sure if there's anybody still, I'm trying to think, still playing now. There was, we had a lot of girls like at my time that, um, that kind of went on to play like Scotland 17s, 19s. Jenna Fife. She played, she's a few years younger than me. Um, she came from Muriston as well. So obviously she's doing fab. Um, a really good goalkeeper. And but yeah, like we actually had a really decent team at the time. We got to like quite a few uh, cup finals and things like that. Um but it is a great club. Um I think quite ahead of their time in terms of of supporting girls in women's football, especially in West Lothian. So, yeah, I think a lot of girls have got, um, are grateful for that, especially in this area. Um, and then from Euriston, you moved to Spartans, but they weren't called Spartans, but then they are now called Spartans. Yeah. At the time, they were called Edinburgh Ladies. Uh, how, how did the move, like, what, what caused the move from Euriston to, to Spart Edinburgh Ladies slash Spartans? Um, so, I was too old to play for the under 17s, and at that time, like there wasn't an under 19s or anything like that. So you just had to go straight to women's football. And Muriston women, I think they were playing, I'm not sure what division they were in, but it wasn't the top league. And um, we had played a friendly. Um, and there was two guys, Carson and Walter. And they're absolute legends, like just great guys. would do anything for anybody. And um, they were coaching at Edinburgh Ladies at the time. And we had played a friendly. And I think after it, they just asked me to go along. And I didn't really know. I was just like, yeah, sure. Like, so I went along and ended up playing with players like Debbie McWinnie, who, like, so would have been, like, amazing if it wasn't for injuries. Di Barry as well, Scotland International. So it was quite the transition, but I absolutely loved my time there as well. It was brilliant. So you mentioned, also Debbie and Di. See, when you were growing up, did you have... Obviously, now we're in a position where women's football is getting a lot more coverage and young girls now are able to see players like yourself kind of on telly, whether it be for Glasgow City or internationally. For you growing up, did you have those kind of female role models or is it only when you started kind of playing the game and playing with them that you started to kind of recognise them? Yeah, I'd say it was more when I started playing um, and then starting to go and watch the national team because for a long time I'd, I hadn't even watched the national team like it wasn't they always played in um in Perth and that just seemed miles away when you're that age but um, yeah it was I'd say like everyone knew Julie Fleet and I'd say she was like the one person that you kind of had heard of and you knew she was very good but I think yeah it's obviously a lot more visible now like everybody knows Erin Cuthbert everybody knows Kim Little but um, I just think that came through through media coverage as well. Like, obviously, Julie was out in America doing her thing and doing so well out there, but then it didn't really... We didn't hear about it at home. Um, whereas Kim went away abroad and did amazing and won World Player of the Year, whatever. And, but we heard about that. So I think a lot of it just moves with the times. And, um, yeah, 
But when I went up to the women's league, there was a lot of, of top players playing within the league. And yeah, it was quite the transition, but one that I loved. Spartans were pretty handy back then as well. There was there was a title, a fairly close title race. Yeah, I think we, I think I think we did. We finished second. I think that was um, the first year that we were Spartans. Shelley took over as coach, um, and obviously, like we had, so we played at St Mark's Park in Edinburgh, and it was like a grass pitch. It was fine. It was good, but it was just like your standard sort of like junior ground. And then Spartans came along and we had all these facilities and that. Like, it was just brilliant. It was so good. Like, we had the two pitches, like, your own changing room. Like, you felt part of something. Um, and then Shelley became coach and we didn't change any players, really. We just kind of all got fitter. We all got better. And, yeah, we pushed Glasgow City really close that year. I think it kind of came down to, like, a game towards the end of the season. Um, and I think if we had won, then it was in our hands. But we got beat 4-2 it was um, but yeah we, we pushed them really close and for for like the first season as a club but we were all dead chuffed with that Do you think because um, we'll talk about Glasgow City in a bit of course but do you think Spartans um, role in women's football sometimes gets a little bit underplayed I mean they're kind of they, they, they were very much like you obviously mentioned the club kind of coming in in that first season but they were very much like one of the kind of early adopters in terms of this kind of new generation. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, um, obviously, they play Spartans as a club play a massive role in the community. Like, their their men's playing the Lowland League, um, but yeah, like, like I said, we just went from kind of kicking about like junior pitches, and then all of a sudden, like, we had a home, we had a base, we had like a chairman that really backed the women's team. Like we got, like, it wasn't like the, ma- the men got priority over the, the women's team. It was very much equal. Um, so I think in terms of that, definitely ahead of their time instead um, in the Scottish game, sorry. And I think that does get overlooked. Yeah, definitely. I think that just be- because maybe as such they've not won a trophy or something, it's doesn't look like they've got anything back from it, but I, th- I think you can't um, underestimate like what Spartans has brought to the Scottish game. No, absolutely not. I mean, obviously yourself, uh, I know Lana Cleland played at Spartans as well before she kind of went on her travels. Yeah. Um, and speaking of going on travels, you went on yours, um, kind of from Spartans, because uh, from Spartans and most of the up-and-coming Scottish talent during the 2010s, 2000s would end up at Glasgow City, but you didn't go straight. No. Um, you moved to Cyprus, first of all, is that right? How how did that come yeah, about? Yeah, so um, we went, so like the National Academy, um, I wasn't actually in the National Academy at the time because I was at Harry Watt University, but they went on a trip to Cyprus. It was like a warm weather training camp and at that time the academy was frightening there was like Jane Lisa Emma Frankie like anybody come through that time it was just like such a good environment Um, and I got asked to go along so I was like of course like two weeks Cyprus training brilliant Um, and we played against Apollon in a friendly because obviously we weren't there as a club team we were there to do individual training but it was still decent to get a wee game Um, and then just after that they just asked if I would want to come back and sort it play Champions League for them um, and I just thought yeah why not I, like, I'd always wanted to go abroad and play and I think it was obviously a short period of time as well so I could kind of dip the toe in and see if that was for me or what um, yeah and they asked me to go over and loved it just got put up in a hotel for a couple of months and <laughs> played in the sun every day Sounds ideal I mean I would need my factor 50 to do that but that means sounds <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty good I mean what, what like what was it you mentioned obviously going over to play the Kenya Champions League what was football like in Cyprus because obviously their national team competing in their first Kenya qualifiers in Scotland's group for the, for the Euros what was kind of football like over there um, it was weird because like Apollon was basically women's football in Cyprus like they had owners that put a lot of money into it so like the standard of player there and the standard of like training facility brilliant but I'd, like the rest of the league, it what, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, but 
like for a Poland for a club like they're yeah very well run and really looked after um, the women's side of it as well so that was good and then once those two months were over what what was your thoughts after that when you kind of knew that you were leaving Cyprus was it you were leaving because you knew you had somewhere to go or what what was your kind of next step um I'm trying to think what kind of happened I yeah I came back because I was I had to go back to Spartans basically and that was fine because the league was starting um and yeah it wasn't really sustainable for me to just be in Cyprus playing if I wanted to play in the national team and things like that um so I came back and played with Spartans again but at that time I I had the bug and I knew that going abroad was something that I wanted to pursue and yeah I was kind of that was just in my head and that's what I wanted to do um, and you did that by following a, a pretty common path at the time, which was heading to Scandinavia. Um, but you went to the funny little place uh, <laughs> where Allen United played, yeah. um, which I I was I was funny because obviously do my research, <laughs> it's important to do my research, uh, and I was obviously having a look at it, and um, it sounds like it was a bit of a bit of an experience playing for Allen United. At yeah, times. it was. Um... Because I think everyone thinks like you're going to go abroad and it's going to be dead glamorous and like you're a professional footballer and but so I stayed like I just signed this contract and and I didn't I only had spoke to the coach so like I didn't know where I was going to stay I didn't know anything um so I turned up so I had to fly to Stockholm and then um they so usually I would get the boat from Stockholm but because it was my first time didn't want me getting lost I don't think so um I got a flight and I got on the flight and it was like eight seats or something and I was just like right and I hate flying so I was like right okay this looks good and then I arrived and I was just like on an island like a tiny island like it's beautiful the place is stunning um not really much to do but um yeah I just arrived and and that was it but then you've got football it's always like a common sort of like thing that you you can relate with um, to people with so I just settled in really quick there was Americans there as well and um, got on really well with them and yeah um, but it was a, it was a step up in the environment as well like I was full-time professional training every day so um, that was good and but yeah it was hellish like going to the games so we'd get on the boat at like 11 at night and then you'd be on the boat until 8 30 the next morning and you would get dropped off in Helsinki and then, like, if you were playing in Helsinki, then that was a good that was a good day. Like, then ten hour boat trip, that was a good one. But if you weren't, like, I've played up near like the Arctic Circle, so like you're on a, I've been on a train, and then or, like I can't even explain. And then you like you just play ninety minutes of football, like, and if you get beat, then you have to do the full journey home. Like, it's it was hard, it was hard, but I was young, so. It was just a good laugh at the time, to be honest. And I was improving at football and it was a good environment for me to be in. How did uh, how did you kill all that time when you were travelling? I honestly don't even know. Like, well, obviously, during the <laughs> night we were sleeping on the boat. So, like, we all had, like, a wee cabin, um, which, um, yeah, I couldn't do that again. But, um, yeah, I don't even know, honestly. Just sitting on buses, eating, drinking, and then try well drinking water I mean not actually bevying <laughs> but, um, and then try to prepare for a game and yeah it was just craziness to be honest but that was just what I wanted to do and I loved it was um I'm curious because obviously as you mentioned that this kind of wee island kind of the middle of Finland where everywhere's like a trek what what was it a really close-knit community like you were around in, on the island or was it was a women's team like well integrated yes or was it a lot of uh-huh. no uh, um so ef co mariham that's the the men's team they play in like the swedish top and uh, finnish top league sorry and they, they do quite well they're they're a decent side and we played at the stadium with them so yeah it was it was very well supported and i think because it was like a, it's like a community um so it's like local businesses invest and sponsorships and things like that so the club did really well for itself I think because it was really well supported by the local community 
did you get involved in any weird like sponsorship things like, in my head i'm imagining like standing outside the local fishmonger with a big fit like, <laughs> like or am i just am i just letting my imagination get away with me here I, i'm trying to think we used to be sponsored by by the crisp factory so we used to have to throw crisps in the crowd before <laughs> the games quite enjoyed that um, but no no i didn't and apart from that it was relatively normal that's good. Ah, no, throwing flying crisp is good enough for me. I'll, I'll absolutely take that. Scudding something uh, in the head when they're not looking. Ready salt. I mean, were, were crisp flavours normal? Was it like ready salty or was there anything wacky? No, I'd say pretty normal. It's their, it's their like sweets that you need to watch out for. It's like the salty licorice and stuff like that. Yeah. Like catches you off guard when you're at the pick and mix and you think you're picking up something tasty. I was having a very similar conversation with somebody about this um, the other day about how when I was in Gothenburg once and I went to the pick and mix shop and I didn't I didn't realise what was happening and I got it up the road and I started to wire in and I was like, <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> why does this wee frog? Ta- why does this wee frog taste weird? Uh, but yeah, but uh, I tell you what, speaking of Sweden, uh, while we're at it, obviously Alan United and then you headed to Sweden. Uh, first of all, with Malbackens. Um, how how did the how did the kind of transition from Finland to Sweden happen? Um, well, I, I had quite a good season in Holland. Um, I was kind of playing as an attacking midfielder there, and I'd scored quite a, a lot of goals. And um, like at the time, Sweden was kind of like obviously you've got Germany and stuff like that, but Sweden was like a top league in in Europe. So I kind of had my my sights on that, and um, Anna kind of helped me as well. Um, with a few contacts and stuff like that and Malbacken had just been promoted so they were looking to strengthen and bring in some international players so that's how that kind of came about um, but yet again I ended up in the middle of nowhere um, <laughs> I was kind of like over in Europe so I used to have to fly to Oslo and then get a four hour train over the border into the forest basically but yeah I was there to play football so it was a simple life I just went to training and, and then went home and, and chilled was it was it just you that ended up moving to Malbackens? Because I know another couple of Scottish players kind of went on on trial. At the yeah, time. Uh-huh, it was just me. So initially, when we went over, um, Jane Ross came with me and Emma Mitchell, and they put us up in this like little cabin, and it was just pitch black. It was like in winter. It was December, I think. So it was like getting dark at like two o'clock or something, and we were just like in this little cabin in the middle of nowhere, um, and then. Emma, I think she ended up going to Germany actually and then Jane where did Jane go? She went to a team in Sweden I'm sure but um, yeah not Malbacken and then yeah I ended up at Malbacken So what, what convinced you to, to stay? The, the, the other two were kind of like nah I don't fancy this like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, mind it. I don't know I mean maybe I, I can't remember, quite remember I probably didn't have like too many offers but um. I don't know. I just liked it. I just wanted to play in Sweden, and it was a good opportunity for me um, to do that. And uh, yeah, I liked the training and stuff. I liked the girls, and uh, yeah, again, it was like another small community that really supported the team. So it was, it was a good environment. It definitely feels like something that I mean, like we are good in Scotland in terms of like our teams kind of supporting uh, our community, supporting our teams. I think, especially the last few months, we've all kind of seen that. But it definitely feels like with the women's game in, in kind of Scandinavia, it feels like there's that connection is maybe tighter. And it feels like it's this, even the smaller the place gets, it feels like the bigger the women's team, if that makes sense. Do you think that's... Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because, like, so we played at Malbacken and it was tiny. Like, the pitch was literally in a forest. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It was just surrounded by trees. And But we'd get, like, over a thousand people at the games. And then we'd go and play, like, Turiso who at the time had Marta, um, Anya Mitag, like Vero Biquet, like top, top players, Ali Krieger and stuff like that. And we, we would have more people at the games than them. So it is just kind of like, the, maybe because there's not much else maybe happening within the town, I don't know, but they do really get behind, behind the teams. Uh, and then Mal Wackens, uh, I think, got relegated that season. That yes, right? we did. Unfortunate. But I know, but you go over it, 
Uh, and, <laughs> uh, moved to Vixel. So was that just a case of like an opportunity to stay in the Damas when skin came along and you were kind of like, oh, I've got to take it? Or did they approach you? Can, how did that one come about? Yeah, they approached me. So that that's where Jane was, Jane Ross. And then um, FADAK was there as well at the time. And they approached me and, yeah, obviously I was sad that Malbacken got relegated and things like that. But um, it was a good opportunity for me to stay in Damalsvenskin and I wasn't quite ready to like come home yet. I was enjoying my time in Sweden. And um, so finally I, I found a place that was within a town near a city. So, um, yeah, there was a lot more happening kind of in the south of Sweden and I, I really enjoyed my time there. That was That was a good club. We had a good team. Because uh, I think uh, is Shannon Lynn still at Vitro at the moment. Yeah, she's still yeah. there playing. Actually, she's doing well. When, the, when I was in Sweden, I was in Gothenburg, and I think I saw Gothenburg play Vitro in the big stadium, Alevi, yeah. big Olympic one. I had, uh-huh. um, yeah, but so I mean, in terms of Vitro, was that was that did that feel like a step up for you as well? I mean, obviously moving to the Amalfi was a bit of a step up with Malbacken's then moving to Vitro. Did that feel like a, another step up again for you? Yeah, definitely. I think with Malbacken, they kept, they kept the core group that had got them from Elite and up to Daniel Svenskin and then brought in like a few international, like not international, like national team players, but just players from overseas. But they didn't have the biggest of budgets, so like it was always going to be tough for us. Um, we did have some good players, though. And then, yeah, Vitor, they were always kind of like a a middle team that could that could go better, um, that could do better. So when when they came, like asking that, yeah, it was a, it was another challenge for me to uh, we step up. I'd say. When you uh, look back at your time in Scandinavia, was there was there any kind of particular highlights where you kind of look back and go, that was that was like one of my 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 favourite moments of your of your time playing so far. Um, I'm trying to think. It was all just good, like my for my development. I feel like I really developed as a player and as a person. Like playing against, like I remember we drew with Rosengard, and it was like Ramona Backman and just like top top players, and just like wee moments like that. I think you just take confidence from things like that. And but yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's a great like Sweden. I loved it's a great place to live. Like I feel like they know how to live life and get that balance between sort of like work and and life and things like that it's, they've just got life pretty sus I'd say nice um would you uh would you say I mean in my head you it certainly feels like you you're kind of group that you mentioned obviously yourself Jane Emma I feel like that was kind of the first kind of real push for Scottish women players to kind of go abroad is that is that maybe fair to say yeah well I think obviously there's like the group or the groups that came before us and and they all had jobs like full-time jobs and they were trying to like push women's football and play for the national team and train full-time but have full-time jobs and some still do and still do it which I think is absolutely amazing um but this was kind of like the first age group that kind of the, the national academy was set up so that was set up so that you could study and stay on campus and train basically as a full-time um, so I think that group that I, that I mentioned, that um, that was kind of the first to reap the rewards of that. Um, and then in turn, like, we, yeah, why would players not want to go abroad at that time and, and earn a living and play full time, which is something we weren't able to do in this country at that point. No, absolutely. I'm a big advocate of going and embracing embracing new cultures and stuff like that so uh, yeah and it's obviously great to see as well that so many players since then have taken that leap and are still some kind of all over the world now which is really cool um but you did come back to Scotland so how how did that obviously you've mentioned how how sound life is in Sweden so what what's why you decide to kind of come back I was I had been asked before by Glasgow City and then I got asked again and um I was just kind of done with the traveling to be honest like I was home every month, which was great because I loved coming home um, for national team and things like that. And then, like, yeah, even in Sweden, like two flights to get to a game, like on the bus for seven hours, like it takes its toll, I think. Um, so I was 
I was happy like with what I'd done there and I loved my time there but I was just ready to come home um, and sort of be at home for a bit chill did they have to make a big pitch for you or were you just did they just kind of say you fancy it and you're like ah, do you know what now is the time or did they did they roll out the red carpet to try and get you no convince you? no red carpet just said be up for it and I said yeah see you soon nah, that's basically how it happened they just asked me and I thought at the time that was a great fit for me so I was I was dead chuffed to go and join Glasgow City I'm curious is, is signing for Glasgow City does it give you a sense of achievement if you're a, especially at that time when you're a, a young player or a player kind of making your way in, in football in Scotland? Does did it feel like, oh, this is this is me kind of like at the because let's be honest, Glasgow City dominated for so long that did it feel like that was almost like vindication for everything you've done to that point, or do you not do you not really think about it? Um, I don't think I, I thought about it like that at all. Um, I kind of thought about it in terms of. I hadn't won anything in football and now I was going to a team that was expected to win every week and I think that was different for me. That's a different... Um, obviously, I, tr- I try to win every game from my previous clubs, but um, it's different when you're joining like the nine in a row or whatever it was, like eight in a row um, champion. So that, that was a different mindset for me. But no, I don't think it was like a sense of like vindication or anything. Um they had asked me before and I'd turned them down to go abroad. So I was surprised that they came back for me, but I'm glad that they did. No, I mean, that's great. And then in terms of Glasgow City, you're obviously there at the moment still, um, as we're talking. So uh, a long time. Has there been any kind of like standout moments during your time at City? Is there anything you've kind of like you look back on and go, that was that was a good day? Um, I'd definitely say the Bronby game. Um I think that full season, I just absolutely loved that season. Um, obviously, we didn't win the, the League Cup, which was a disappointment. And then, um, like the Champions League, like we went to Moscow um, and in Bronby, when we won away from home, I still don't have any idea how that happened. But anyway, we'll take it. <laughs> and we were coming home with like a 2 0 lead, and people are thinking, like, not people within the team, but like externally like oh two now like good and stuff and I'm like no like you've got no idea like they're a top side because like the way they played football like I, lo- I actually liked watching them even though I was playing against them like it was all like possession style and um they were a good side and then just to come through that second leg the way we did obviously we made it dead hard for ourselves but um it was that was just yeah probably one of the best feelings in football I'd say and then we went on, won the league, and then how we won the Scottish Cup as well at the end of that season. Um, that was just another top moment as well. So I'd say that season was just collectively one of my one of my favourites. Yeah, I mean, see, just as a fan of football, that that Bronby game, um, and you're kind of sitting there, and you're sitting there trying to do. I was doing a match sport. I don't know why. Nobody's paying me for it, but I was like, I'll just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you're kind of watching it, and you're go, and I, I was wrapped up in it. I was, I was gone. So it's when obviously um, Joe stepped up and scored the winning penalty. Oh, I was crying. Uh, I think when that was happening, like I just, it was just so emotional because obviously the two 0 like lead, and then it was two 0 It was two 0 at half time, wasn't it? In the second yeah. leg to them, I just remember like thinking like, oh no, like what's going on here but then we just dug in and I think that was like the best bit about it we just dug in and we weren't playing well but we just gave everything we had and we got to the point of penalties and yeah to win it like that it was just it was so emotional but I think for a, a Scottish team to get in the quarterfinals of the Champions League was just massive again and um, yeah it was just a top moment I'm trying to remember now did you take a penalty? No I got hooked so I think Scott's given up with me in penalties after <laughs> After a few cup finals, which I do not blame him, so I, I was just sitting on the bench crying. I think at that point, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think one of the enduring memories of that game is uh, is Monty just running onto the pitch and not caring and just piling <laughs> in on everybody. <laughs> um, I know I've not seen speed like it. It's flying. <laughs> But um, yeah, that was definitely uh, one of one of my favourite nights over the last kind of couple of years in terms of just being a football fan. And then, as you mentioned, the Scottish Cup final as well. I mean that that was a final that had pretty much everything from 
the kind of build up to it, to the crowd, to the game itself. I mean, it must have been to play in that game must have been something pretty cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I think like Tynecastle, I've played there with the national team and I, I love it because it's like, it's a big stadium, but it's like intimate in terms of like how like close the stand is to the pitch and stuff. And we got such a good crowd that day. Um, and you could just feel it. It was like an occasion. Like there was just something about it. It was just a buzz. And um, yeah, the game was just madness, really. Um, it was... I think as a neutral, it would have been so good to watch. It was end to end and it had a bit of everything. But um, I've been on the end of like that last minute heartache and it's it's horrible. Um, but for us to come out on on top in that in that moment was just unbelievable. Yeah, for a neutral it was. It was it was something else. I think I was I don't know you must have been I was exhausted watching it. <laughs> so somebody somebody playing it, you must have been like dead on your feet come the end of it. Honestly, so knackered. I think, like, because that was obviously that season and we'd had, like, a lot of highs and lows emotionally and physically. And then it just got to that point and I was just, like, extra time. Like, obviously, you dig in and you find something for somewhere, but we were all gone. And then Claire just went on an amazing and just put it in the top bin. And, yeah, honestly, just pure relief and elation. Yeah. Do you, I know I do this, do you look at that final and go, it's such a shame that everything that's happened in this last 12 months has happened because that felt like a proper opportunity to kind of launch into this new season and obviously the world has had other plans for that, but do you, you sometimes look back on that now and go, oh, if only, if only things had been a little bit different? Yeah, I think so, because hopefully we can get back to that point and it might not be as hard as like you think to get the interest back, but like I was saying like it was just such a buzz like that day like they just there was something about it like going to the game and then coming out and seeing the fans and it was just an occasion which maybe has been missing in women's football in the past like in the cup finals and stuff but that day just felt special um, and obviously when you look at like the amount of people that came to it and then thankfully we managed to put a good game on um, both teams Um and then it was also on the back of the World Cup as well. So it, it was a special time for, for women's football in Scotland. And then it obviously kind of just went a bit downhill. But hopefully we can build some momentum again and kind of get back to where we were. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I always compare it as well when you think you mentioned the League Cup final. It was obviously uh, yeah, it's day, a dream. and it was kind of a, a tactical game. Maybe not a spectacle, no. but a tactical game. And I think I think it's a it's a really interesting compare and contrast. When you look at that game, that was before the World Cup, and obviously that that Scottish Cup final where everything happened with it as well. So yeah, hopefully that that continues. Let's let's talk about Scotland. As I mentioned at the start, one of the fourteen players with over hundred caps, well played. Um, what can, can you take us back to your first one? What I mean, take us back in terms of your, your kind of pattern the the national setup because I know in women's football the the kind of pathway through the the youth side is something that's pretty proficient in terms of like that under 17 under 19s part yeah um so we had a thing called like elite squads so on a friday night it was like the best best players in the like in your area so west lothian and edinburgh got together and then like we played and then you'd have trials sort of thing and the coaches would come and watch you um so that's how i got into the under 17s um and I was pretty consistently picked there for a few years, loved it, um, played with some great players there. And then I moved up to under-19s, um, but I didn't play as much with under-19s. I was I was picked and stuff, but I didn't... And t- my first year, I didn't really play. But when I look at the team, it was like Kim Little and players like that. So it's like top, top players. And then um, my last year, under-19s, um, I did quite well, but I think it's hard because the, to go from being 18 years old to then play for the full national team, it's quite a transition. Like, there's nothing in between. I know a lot of nations have been under 23s, but we don't have that currently. So I think it's it's quite hard, but um, it's quite fortunate. Anna kind of brought me in and I, I, I went to a few camps, but I didn't necessarily play. But just to be involved in the environment and stuff, it 
it kept me motivated it kept me want like I saw what I could be part of and um yeah I definitely wanted it um so I like I loved my time with the youth national team played with some great players Emma and Lisa again um so we had a real golden group that kind of a lot of us then went on to get into the national team so it was a it was a good time yeah, I mean, let's be honest, neither of us are going to get the job as technical director of SFA anytime soon. But you did <laughs> you did mention that that kind of jump from like the under 19s to the national side. And it is a it is a big jump, especially um especially as the game gets bigger and a lot of the under 19 players currently play kind of SWPL one, SWPL yeah. two level. Do you think that that middle step would be something that if it if there's a whole opportunity to do it, we should, as a nation should maybe have a look at seeing if we can get in? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it'd be good because you're having to now be really special to like, because you're then having to, you've got established players like Kim Little, Caroline Weir, like Claire Emsley. You have to be like a top, top player to then like push in and take take their place. So like that's not going to happen overnight. Um, I think... I think the 23s would provide like a bridge sort of like of keeping the players in the pathway and progressing them as well while preparing them for getting into the full national team. Because obviously the, the, the pool of players is getting bigger and bigger as well. Um, so it, it, is a, it is a tough one to break into, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I think at the moment we've got like the likes of like Sam Kerr, G. Willie Napier, yeah. Amy Muir, all who can't now play at that under-19s. But... Uh-huh probably are on like in in contention for squads but realistically starting 11s at the moment maybe not and it's uh, it'd be good to give them a bit more kind of experience in a Scotland jersey because I mean that's that's always a buzz putting a Scotland jersey on anyway yeah exactly um, but in terms of your debut can you remember much of it how did it come about yeah so we were in Cyprus at the Cyprus Cup and um it was quite a surprise that I got picked to go in the squad and I was absolutely buzzing um, but I think we played the first game and I didn't feature at all, which was pretty normal, I'd say. Um, and then we were playing Italy and I can't, we were getting beat at the time. I, we got beat 2-0, the final result, but I'm not sure if it was 2-0. When I came on, um, I think I got like 20 minutes or something and I was just like, Haley, you're going on. And then I stepped on the pitch and I had an earring in and got booked. And I was like, <laughs> no, this can't be happening one tackle away from getting sent off on the debut because of an eating but um it was just brilliant we did get beat but I think when you're a young player and you've just made your debut for your country you're just high as a kite anyway and the girls were great um yeah it was just a special moment really because you you don't know how many or if you are going to do that again and it was just dead special uh, and then, obviously, from there, you've been gapped 103 times at the moment, I think, if I've got my, my numbers right. Um, what, I mean, I, I can have a guess, but I'm <laughs> going to ask ask generally, first of all, what have been your kind of highlights of that, of that Yeah, time? well, obviously, I think the going to the two tournaments and getting there, um, it's just something special. I think it's just been a long, long process that started way before this group of players were, were even involved in just people really pushing uh, women and driving women's football forward and just wanting to better themselves and in turn we've ended up with a good national team um, but yeah I think obviously the World Cup and getting my 100 cap was very special the result wasn't special but um, when you've got time away and you can reflect on that um, yeah that was that was a very nice moment I'd say and before the World Cup there was obviously the game at Hamden which I know you, you took part yeah. in as well I mean how uh, I think the last time Scotland had played at Hamden before then was the playoff against Spain uh-huh. uh, back in what 20 it would have been for 20 2012 I think it was yeah yeah so as as somebody who I've been your I'm guessing that was your first chance to, to play at Hamden or were you involved back I played in the Spain game yeah uh-huh. I was playing the Spain game as well. So, I mean, in terms of that experience, because obviously the Spain game, um, I went to it and it was very much like you handed out 
You know, handing yeah. out free tickets like confetti, and it was just kind of like I think three, four thousand, which at the time was huge for women's football in Scotland. To then obviously that that eighteen and a half thousand that day, beautiful day for it as well. I mean, what what was that it was like? It's just amazing. Like you couldn't have picked like a better day. Like the sun was just shining on hand, and like you're at your national stadium, and then you walk out, and it was just like close to whatever nineteen thousand people. Like yeah, it was just like goosebumps moment so special um and then obviously it was a good game as well a couple of absolute cracking goals so um yeah it was just nice it was just like a nice wee send off as well for the world cup just all these people turned out and um it just sort of like created a wee bit of buzz like going to the world cup a wee bit hype and yeah it was just a top top day what was it? Well, I went over to France um, for the World Cup. What was as a fan, as somebody who remembers being at France, like Scotland at France '98, but I was far too young to go. <laughs> but, um, but I remember France '98. So the chance to see Scotland at a World Cup was just like this is amazing. Like more of this, yeah. please. I mean, as a player being involved in all of that, what what was that like? It was just incredible, really. Like at the time, it's hard to take it all in because you are there to play football and, and do a job. But like as you like when you reflect back, it's just unreal. Like I remember just walking out onto the pitch. So like the when we arrived at the stadium for the England game, and we always like go out on the pitch like before we get changed and stuff. And like the stadium was starting to fill up and it was like you could just see the Scotland fans and they were all cheering and that. It was just so emotional. Like it yeah, it was just yeah, it's just special to be honest. Um we were so well supported um, and I think that just meant so much to the players and the staff and um, yeah it was a shame we, we couldn't progress out of that group but I think yeah it's something we'll all look back on with, with good memories. Yeah we won't we won't dwell on that. No let's, let's move on. Let's move on from that because <laughs> uh, I mean obviously on the back of that first qualifier against Cyprus there was a record crowd a record domestic crowd for, for a qualifier at Easter Road um, mm-hmm. and then Pinotar Cup um, which yeah. is obviously winning that uh, I mean it's a trophy we don't win trophies very often Camps. in Scotland so, so you've absolutely, <laughs> absolutely got to take that um, I mean what was the Pinotar Cup like because that was obviously I think at the time of the Pinotar Cup the kind of the world situation was kind of just it was on the bubble of like becoming yeah. a thing so what was that like as a tournament to play at? It was fine, but um, I think there was a few of us that were kind of like messaging each other before we went and we were just kind of like, this is real, like this, pan- well, it wasn't a pandemic at the time, but it was going to become one. Um, but everything was fine, like we just flew over and then we were in the hotel and we were just in a bubble, really. So we we were safe and te- or tra- like making ourselves as safe as possible, um, because we just trained and we, we played basically at the hotel. It was like a resort sort of thing. Um, but I remember just as we were there, it was just kind of like the situation was getting progressively like worse, um, and there was like flights getting cancelled and things like that. But yeah, we were like as made as safe as like as we could have been. But I think it was the day that we arrived home, it was like announced as a pandemic and then it was basically the world was on shutdown. So that was the last bit of football we all kind of had for a while. Um, but it was a good tournament, yeah. Some good games for us and a wee trophy at the end. Nice wee trophy. I think I remember Aye. seeing a, a clip of the trophy raise and I think you kind of had that kind of like, <laughs> yeah, but we've won a trophy, but you know. I know, I didn't want to like look like a brat because I saw that back and I thought, are going to think she's an absolute idiot, which I'm not, I wasn't trying to be a brat, but um, yeah, I'd be, I'd no, be jumping, I mean, if it was the World Cup, I'd be absolutely laughing about going mad, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was a trophy, so chuffed. No, I mean, to be fair, I think that's probably how I would have been. I would just be like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I know, like, well done, us. I mean, it goes to say the Kidding Cup and the Power Star Cup are like the exactly. two. Exactly. Exactly, that's what we need. <laughs> um, also, Euro qualification hasn't gone that great either. But uh, in terms of in terms of yourself, I, I mean, are you still looking forward, looking to try and get back in the squads? I know you kind of weren't 
in the last couple? Is that something you're kind of still looking to do? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I'm available for selection. Um, Yeah, I want to be part of it. Obviously, I'm not stupid and I know that there's some very good players and it's a competitive squad, but yeah, I'm training hard every day with Glasgow City and um, yeah, I very much want to be part of that, that team still going forward and so hopefully hopefully I can do the business on the pitch and put myself in a good position to be selected because I'm sure it will come down to, to me doing that. Awesome. And I, I'm sure this the, the next Scotland manager, whoever that's going to be, is listening just now. So there you go. Haley exactly. is absolutely up for it. Um, whoever, <laughs> whoever that is going to be. But um, I tell you what, let's let's get back to this the fact the season's coming back. Um obviously and um, we are recording this a kind of a week and a bit beforehand. Um, first half of the season for Glasgow City, second place um, behind Rangers and goal difference. How do you assess that kind of first half of the season for, for City? Um, not the best, not the worst, I'd say. I think, obviously, that last game against Rangers was shocking on our part. Um, but at the end of the day, we're still in a position, we're still in a good position to to push on and um, and challenge so it's not it's not the worst position to be in um, and we have had time now to sort of like integrate as a group again with the new players and yeah we're looking good so I think it'll be an exciting an exciting season Did it, uh, This is just me watching it as a fan it felt like for, for City that kind of first part of the season just been like with the obviously the Champions League stuff and then kind of players coming and going. I felt like there was a little bit of kind of like if we can get to kind of that December time still in the mix, that's this is going to be your time to really push on. Do you think that's um I'm not sure I'm not sure we thought like that. Um at it's at the time, but um after we got beat off Rangers, I think the position we're now in is a good position to be in. Uh, we still got everyone to play twice. And uh yeah, we we had quite a disrupted um, start to the season, I'd say. So it's been a good opportunity for us now to like regroup and um, yeah, hopefully we can kick on for the for the second part. You uh, mentioned obviously the new signings. Uh, so we've got Priscilla Chinchia, Julie Morland, Lee Fowlery, Arnie and Arnie's daughter, and Odie Fuller to do. Uh, I mean, good pronunciation. <laughs> Uh, they are phonetically spelled on a screen right in front of me just now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's a bit different from uh, Glasgow City's always kind of been associated with the Scottish players coming through. So it's a little bit different in terms of this kind of almost like a League of Nations approach. So, how has that integration been in terms of these players kind of coming in? From, it is very much all yeah. corners of the globe. Uh, in this, it's in been this great, season. to be honest. Um, the girls are brilliant, I think. They've all tried to integrate themselves and we've tried to integrate them. And um, so far so good that I think when when you are here to play football it's quite easy um, to sort of like integrate within a group because you've always got that common goal but um, yeah they're, they're great girls and great players so um, I'm looking forward to, to playing with them for the second half. Is it exciting to have like players that you maybe don't know that well kind of coming into the squad and it's kind of like a bit of the unknown as as a like as a fan you see those names and you go well this like it's really hard to obviously women's football still developing in terms of media coverage so yeah you're kind of lying on youtube clips sometimes to kind of find out about players as a player is it, is it exciting to kind of have like these kind of unfamiliar faces kind of rock up into the dressing room yeah i'd say so um i'd say like as a player you you want new signings to come in and improve improve the team and then um, push push others on as well um, so hopefully these girls are going to do that and yeah I think we'll be stronger for it Nice um, well let's let's move away from Glasgow City but we still talk football because we, when I when I sent you a message I said one of the things we are <laughs> going to talk about is uh, Livingston Football Club um, how so how did uh, how did becoming a Livingston fan happen for you? Um, so we used to get free tickets from the school. So it was like a parent and a child. And I think we were maybe second or maybe first division, like old first division in those days. And um, yeah, so I just went along with my dad, like free ticket, 
go and see. And then I was just hooked on it. Absolutely loved it. Got and then just got a season ticket and then that was it. I mean, I feel like we've underplayed this a little bit as, as the intro to this. Section. I mean, you're a you're a huge, love it, like a proper like mega fan. Yeah, I love them. Um, I love going to the games. I used to go to like away from home as well. Like this sort of the season when we got promoted the first time, so like two thousand and two, I'd say. So I was like twelve, and we used to go like home and away to all the games. Loved that season. We got promoted, and then that was a year like in the top flight and we got like UEFA Cup the first season so those were like the glory days and then progressive we won the CIS Cup and then some bad times but <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah they're my team and they've always been my team my dad used to go watch Hearts um, but I've always just watched Livingston and that's my team One of the, the few I mean I, I try not to get starstruck it still happens from time to time but one of the few times I've been starstruck was um, I did an interview with David Zouza. Um, <laughs> and I have I cannot explain why, but um, it was on a Zoom call. He was in Canada. I was like, there was literally no risk factor involved. But it's one of the most starstruck things I've ever been in my life. And I, I can't tell you why. I don't know if it's just because he had an X in his name. Like maybe that was, that was part I know, of it. I know, it was a bit exotic. Um, he was a good player for us, actually. Some good goals. I used to love um, David uh, Fernandez. He was my favourite ever. He was just like so technical. I just loved watching him. And then he actually went to Celtic and then I don't think anybody saw him again. But um, yeah, he was he was my ultimate favourite. I mean, the, the other th- interesting thing with Livingston now is that at the start of this season, when it was a season, but the season, the start of 2019, they brought in a, they kind of merged with Blackburn United to yeah. Livingston women. Um, as somebody who grew up as a Livingston fan, did, did I ever register with you that there wasn't a women's team? Did you ever think about it? Or was it just, like, I'm, I'm curious, it's one of the things that people talk about a lot is like the, the need for, you know, men's teams to have women's equivalents and whether yeah. that actually matters. So as somebody who grew up with it without actually having that equivalent to support, did you ever think about it? No, I've not actually thought about that. Um, but I think it it's only good that, you know, like, the top men's clubs have a women's team. Um, and, yeah, I think Livingston were actually one of the only few, maybe them and Ross, no, I can't remember who else it was, but that didn't have a women's team. So they were quite late to the party, but um, they've fixed that out now. And, um, yeah, hopefully they do well and kind of, like, can get up the leagues and stuff and, and make a good go of it. Because Blackburn United, another good local club as well that they've, they've merged with, so can only see good things happening there. Yeah, Blackburn United is also probably where I've watched the maddest game of football ever when they <laughs> played Air United in the Women's Scottish Cup and they won 10-9. And, 10-9 uh, on penalties. I think so. it was... No, no, so I think it was 6-6 at full time and then it went to extra time and then I think one of the Blackburn players had to go off... No, one of the Air players had to go off injured and then one of the Blackburn players had to go off injured and then I think another Air player had to go off injured so then it was 8-8 eight, eight at half time of extra time, but it was in 10 versus 9 by that point. <laughs> and then it finished 10-9. It's like one of these ones, I want, to, I want to write about it one day, but I just, uh, I need to, I need everything to open up a bit so I can go and actually talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, um, as you say, uh, lots of those community clubs. If, the oper- if uh, Livingston's did well enough, or if you were at the right stage of your career, would you uh, want to stick on a goal chart? Definitely. Need to see. Need to see. Don't, uh, I hope... Laura Montgomery doesn't listen to this. <laughs> maybe, never know. Maybe one day. Ah, this still got still got loads of years left, so it'll be it'll be fine. Ah, a few, a few. Um, I tell you what, we're going to round off then with just some random questions, but a bit of okay. fun. Um, first question for you. Uh, so some of these will be football, some of them will be other stuff. What's what's your best position? Um, I like playing in the midfield for Glasgow City. But I do actually really like playing left back for Scotland because when you've got a lot of the ball and you're facing the game and you've got Caroline Weir next to you and you can just shovel any pass to her and she'll make something good out of it. I love that. But um, I do enjoy playing midfield, so I'd say that. Cool. Who's the best player you've played with? Um, I'd probably say Caroline Weir. 
I think technically she's obviously we've got some great talented players. I think the way Kim Kim's technical and the way she thinks about the game and everything, but Caroline's just I just love watching her. I think she just yeah. And she's a, a wee lefty as well, so she's good. She's very good. Solidarity, I'm a lefty as well, so I'm a big fan of that. Uh, but yeah, I think I think with Caroline as well, in particular, obviously Kim's a, a wee, maybe just that kind of half generation before, like maybe like yeah. yourself. Caroline's definitely seems to be somebody that's getting that, a lot of crossover attention just now as well, which is can only be good for, for kind of growing the game. Yeah, but definitely. Best player you've played against? Um, try to think. It would be internationally. When we played America, it was actually Kristen Press's first cap and she was playing against me and I think she got a hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bad day, but um, she was very good, actually, her movement and stuff. Just, like, instinctive. Um, but I'm trying to think, there must be somebody else. It's Pernilla Harder as well. She's just frightening. Yeah. Can do everything. Yeah. Uh, are you sweet or savoury? Sweet. Sweet. Chocolate every uh, day of the week. Have you, uh, you got a go-to bar of choice? Um, I would just say cho- uh, chocolate buttons. Nice. That's the have one. You, have you had the orange ones? No, I've not. Oh. They're deadly. They are, they are the one. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so yeah, go get them. Uh, this is a question I always ask. I've kind of forgot the last two podcasts, so I've written it down specifically so I don't forget. Tonics make four products: caramel wafer, caramel log, the snowball, and the tea mm-hmm. cake. If you're picking one, which one would it be? Right. Well, I like. I like us. No, I'm going to say the wafer because so I hadn't had one for years, right? And then when we were going to the World Cup, we flew with um, Logan Air, and that was a biscuit. We, that's what we got with the like the tea and the coffee. And since then, I've been into them. So I'll say the wafer. Nice wafer. I, think wafer. I think wafer and tea cake are the only two answers I've ever had. Yeah. For there's there's not much love for the log and no, the snowball. I, I think it's the coconut. I think that's what it does it for. Too healthy. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about your? What's in your Spotify playlist? What's what's your kind of musical choices? Um, quite varied. I say I like. My favourite is probably Kasabian or like, I like Oasis and Blur. I like sort of like that type of thing. Um, But yeah, I I can listen to anything really. Just not like happy hardcore, something like that. No. Um, But I'd say Kasabian. They're my my favourite. What about uh, Grand Macintosh? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that's on Spotify now? Yeah, yeah I d- well, so I uh, obviously I mentioned it earlier on involved in the show. So um, for people who don't know, Grant McIntosh, Common Livingston, an absolute banger, absolute banger. Did you see it was on? Uh, it was on Football Focus as well. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it's gone viral. <laughs> it's gone viral, but yeah, um, a bit of a. Sorry, it's actually quite a good song. Like taken away, like if you just heard that in the background, I think you'd be like toe tapping. I, I listen to it just on a on a Wednesday afternoon. I'll just stick <laughs> just it on. Stick it on. Stick just it asking on. Alexa to play it. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, but yeah, uh, outside of Common Livingston, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, what about uh, kind of what you streaming? Like any box sets? Are you, oh. are you a box set fan? Are you? I don't really watch a lot of anything. I don't really know what I do. Um, what I did watch though was The Crown. And I love that. But that's like the only thing like that I've watched start to finish. I've not watched anything else. Like my favourite programme is MasterChef. So yes. that's about it. Oh, let's that. okay, well uh, you've said that now, so we have to talk a little bit more about food. What's <laughs> what's your uh, have you got like a, a signature dish which you're kinda of go to? Um I actually really enjoy cooking. That doesn't mean I'm any good at it, but I really like it. Um I try to think. Don't know. I make a good like Moroccan chicken with couscous. That's one of my favourites now. Um, but I I love cooking. I've got a lot of time to do it, so um, yeah, I'm probably not the best at it, but give I, that a go. I was 
yeah, I mean, I've working from home like I have been for what feels like forever. I've had a lot more time to kind of get back. I love cooking as well, so that's why I was interested. Um, but I, I don't know about you, but I always feel like with cooking as well, it feels like a proper chance to switch off. Like I just stick stick the radio on or something. Yeah. Totally no reference point of time or space. And it's just me in my kitchen rattling and some pots and pans. I know that's me as well. I think some people just have to eat because they live, eh? but uh, it's something that I enjoy. I miss that about like being able to go out and enjoy a nice meal. I think I'm looking forward to doing that once the pandemic's finished. Abs- absolutely. I-, I totally agree with you. Right, last question. Glasgow City win the title this season um, and you're put in charge of the night out. What what happens? Where do you go? What do you do? Right, well, um, so we've got a sponsor and um, the last time we went and it was like, it's like a penthouse thing, right? And it's like, but it's like an office, but um, we basically had such a good party after that Scottish Cup final. It was so good. So I think I would just try and replicate that again because, yeah, that was one of the best nights ever. It was just us, like we weren't out in the town or anything. Um, It was just the group and, yeah, we had a few beers and we could just play whatever music we wanted and it was just so good. So I think I'd just do that again. House parties are the best parties. So exactly. That's that's the best thing. You've got a, you've got a toilet. You can be comfortable. You don't have to worry <laughs> exactly. about people. You can't really be bothered with. Ah, that would you on that one. That sounds good. Um, well, Eli, thank you very much for coming on. It's uh, super appreciated. No worries. Um, and thank you very much for listening. If you have done, uh, please tell everybody about it, share it, and obviously support the SWPL when it comes back, which is really soon, which will be fantastic. Um, but for now, stay safe, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you.